everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by Mr. Bailey Luttrell. What's up? How are you today? I'm so good. How are you? Good. Now, do you just have a show this weekend? I understand. I did. We just wrapped up the Brookhaven Summer Block Party Festival um, two nights ago. And that marked the last show of a whole lot we've had this summer. And it was, uh, it was amazing. Where are you in the world today? Are you home or are you on the road? Like, I didn't know if your shows were local or not. So thankfully, most of these have been local. Just, you know, after post-pandemic, it's been hard to try to get on tour. Um, so I've been doing a whole lot of shows locally around town, you know, in the Atlanta area or just in the state. Um, but yeah, mostly at home right now, uh, taking August, just a little breather, uh, going to record, get back at it this month. Um, some guys were releasing a live video for that single. So that's going to come out, which is super great. Um, recording for the next record. It's going to be a little bit of a down month, but good. Well, I cannot wait to talk about some guys and 7-7 Seven Seven Country and all the new music. But before we get there, let's take it back. You know, listen, there's a lot of people that are successful in the music business that start at a young age or are exposed to music at a young age. But is this true? I read that you were on tour with the Backstreet Boys when you were two years old. I mean, that's yeah. really being exposed at a young age. My mom uh, tells the best and she said that... Um, you know, literally, I went from a crib and my first big boy bed was a, a bunk on a tour bus. And uh, literally, that's that's how it was. I mean, from the moment um, I could walk, I was on tour with dad. And uh, it was, I mean, seriously, one of the greatest experiences I think a kid could ever have is being with their their parents when they're being able to work or being able to have that time with them. So I was so lucky to to be able to go out with my dad and, and see him most of the time because he would leave and, you know, mom and him were finally like, you know, that's it. We don't, we don't want him to, to never see dad. We don't want him to not experience the road. So they brought me out. I was homeschooled um, so that I could have that opportunity with my dad. And um, finally, when I was old enough, you know, mom gave me the option. She said, all right, you can go to school. You can, you know, go play high school sports and have that life and have fun. Or, you know, you can, still tour and and go out and see the world and and do this and I'm like I still want to do that you know like home experience is great but you know if you have the chance to be with your family and see the world I mean you know that's that's the greatest I love history so much and agriculture because of it because I've got to see the world yeah and so I mean I remember first grade I was learning about Mount Fuji in Japan and we were literally, I was reading it in a textbook and I was on a bullet train and I look over and it's Mount Fuji out the window. And I was like, this is amazing. Like wow. being opportunities, I'd bring my, cause I would do like academies through grade school. So I would come home from tour and bring like my classmates, these gifts or from wherever we were learning about. And they're like, oh my gosh, you were in Japan. I was like, yeah, <laughs> like it was so cool. So that must have, you know, I've, I've, I'm an avid traveler too. Like I've been to, I've been to like 55 countries. Like it really does, you know, it's like life experience that you can't teach someone. Of course. So was it always music for you having been on the road that young? I mean, like you said, you played high school sports. Like, did you ever consider doing anything else? You know, I actually 
strongly considered. I was a junior or sophomore in high school. Um, I was still playing sports. I played basketball. Um, I just finished baseball and lacrosse and I knew that sports wasn't really going to happen, but I, I still played as long as I could. And I was about this close to joining the Marine Corps. Um, and I went to Nashville, um, just on a whim with the family. Cause I'd been talking about recording and doing music and sophomore year, I was one year away from being able to join up. So I was like, all right, you know, I I'm torn between what to do. And, you know, my family's military legacy. So I thought maybe I'll go into the military. And, um, I basically almost had my heart set on that. And, I've been talking about music with my parents and, and really wanting to try it and itching at it. And I just thought if I never try this, you know, it's going to haunt me forever. And we went to, uh, to Nashville because uh, Florida Georgia lines publishing company sent me a couple songs to record and just test out, not even have yet, but just, just feel, have a feel for them. And so I went to Nashville, I recorded a bunch of songs um, that BK and Tyler had written and um I mean, it was this surreal experience. And I knew then I was like, man, I, I have to do this. I have to try this. And um, from then on, you know, I started to try to make an impression in Nashville and then started recording. And next thing you know, I was headfirst in, in country music and, and touring and shows and releasing music. I mean, and writing, you know, and looking back three years later, you know, we're still we're still doing it. We're still here. What did your parents say when you wanted to pursue music? Because like your father's obviously Brian Latrell from the Backstreet Boys, your mother, like I know has done modeling and like, you know, acting like it's the same business. Like were they, you know, like it's a tough business. Right. Everybody assumed that my parents were the parents that would push me to do it because my dad did it or push me to act because my mom did or, but it was basically, it was solely always my decision to try. And it wasn't really even remotely encouraged when I was little because my dad didn't want me to, um, you know, really, well, he did want me to pursue music. He told me this yesterday. He was like, deep down, he was like, I was always hoping and praying that you would do music. He's like, but I never wanted to push that on you because it's a hard life. It's, it's a hard career. And I wanted you to have normalcy in your life and you like, you never saw it, you know? And so my mom, the same was, she did acting. She lived in LA for years. She met my dad, she toured with him. So it was, you know, I didn't want him to get into this because the industry is tough. Like I want him to do what he wants to do and be happy. And it was basically, you know, I just said like, guys, I, I want to try this. And they were over the moon, you know, when I, when I wanted to try it and we made it work. Um, and I, I approached them about doing country music when dad was doing his uh, Vegas residency for those two years in Vegas. And uh, we were out at dinner one night and this was in 2017. I, uh, I sat my parents down. I'm like, guys, you know, I really want to talk about something with you. I really want to try music. And um, this is right post Broadway after that happened, you know, I was on Broadway for, um, six months in New York and came off and I loved theater, but I was like, this is, you know, this is not what I want to do. I want to, I want to be able to release music and go on the road. And so I approached them the first time about it fresh off of Broadway and, and all this stuff. And my, my dad said, you know, well, what genre do you want to do? And I'm like, I really want to track country. 
and my mom looks at my dad and my dad looks at my mom and I'm like, what? Like, is this, you know, I'm like, I know it's far-fetched and I don't think it's going to work. And my dad's like, why not? And I said, there's not a market in country for a, you know, 15, 16 year old kid. And he's like, why is it there? Like be the first. And so I, I literally just dove right in. I, we did all of our homework on who to work with and who to talk to and where to go. And Tree Vibes was so opening and, and welcoming to us in the way of giving me my first opportunity at recording and, and things like that. I mean, it was completely surreal. And, you know, country's been a great journey so far. You know, I've, I've bumped into so many amazing people that have given me so many great opportunities um, that I was, I'm very fortunate and lucky to have. Um, and I can't tell you how amazing the experience has been so far. And I've got a long way to go, but just the beginning, what a ride it's been. What was it like being on Broadway at 13 years old? I mean, that was, that was crazy. It was completely crazy. Uh, youngest in my cast, my understudy was 28 years old. So she was the second youngest in our entire cast. Um, you know, not a, not a friend, not, not a, not a soul there that I knew. And I just up and moved to New York with my parents. Um, basically zero theater experience either. It was my first job. Wow. Uh, Disaster was pitched for Broadway for years, was a benefit show to raise money. Um, that's how I booked the the job. And it was basically like a table reading, almost the first job. And what we did is we, it was a workshop kind of pitched. We were literally up on stage with scripts. It was like a read through type show, uh, got rave reviews back in 2015. So we did another benefit show in New York at an off Broadway theater. And that was our pitch, which none of us knew at the time. Um, we got the funding for Broadway months later. I thought I would never hear the word disaster, you know, again, the musical. Yeah. And, uh, I found out that it was going to Broadway. So I thought, great, we're all going to Broadway. And uh, our writers and directors, Seth and, and Jack, they were like, no, you got to audition. All the way from the first call to the last, I was there. And uh, I booked the part. And it was this crazy journey, like to be able to go from seeing this show in the development process for 15 years to then seeing it on Broadway. Um, Nederlander Theater uh, up in New York. It was so amazing. Again, a historic theater. Uh, yeah. so great. 11 hour work days. Um, it was intense. I had no understudy, really. My understudy was like a sub. So like just in case I needed, I only missed one show. Um, the experience was amazing. We had nine or seven, seven to nine Tony nominated or award-winning cast members. Wow. So it was, it was like an all-star lineup. Uh, you know, we had Carrie Butler, um, which was huge. Um, we had, oh my gosh, um, Faith Prince, Kevin Chamberlain. Um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think. Um, Adam, but I'm trying to remember Adam's, Adam Pascal. His, I was trying to remember Pascal's last name. Um, so it was our yeah. all-stars. It was, it was incredible. Max Chrome was amazing as well. We had 
an amazing lineup. And that opportunity, I mean, I wish I could go back and see it now, honestly. Um, but I was nominated for a Drama Desk Award. Um, and that was, I'll never forget, I didn't know anything about theater. So, you know, we're almost done with this Broadway run. And uh, my mom wakes me up at like eight o'clock in the morning. And she's like, oh, of your agents are on the phone. So she hands me the phone. And they're like, my agents are from New York. So they're like, oh my goodness, you, you know, you got the, you got a drama desk award nomination. I'm like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> they're like, you don't know what that is? And I'm like, no, they're like, go to the living room. So I run into the living room and the local news is on and it has the Tony Awards and the drama desk award nominations on the news. And it's like, and these are the, you know, Broadway productions and, and cast members who were nominated for uh, these awards. And I saw my name, I pointed out my name and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I got to the theater um, still not really knowing what a, a big deal it was. And my castmates were all patting me on the back and it was, it was so funny. Rachel York, another castmate, she came up to me and she's like, you were nominated for a drama desk. Award. I'm like, I know it's pretty cool. Right. She's like, pretty cool. She's like, this is amazing. She's like, take this in like soak it up and I'm you know when a, someone like that of that caliber in theater is telling you that that's when it hits yeah. you know this is amazing um and to have that opportunity to go out there uh, Roger Bart another mentor in our cast for me pushed me honestly to get that drama desk nomination was it was completely surreal and the experience was hard you know a, a Georgia boy um going up and being in unfamiliar territory, it seemed at the time, to leaving uh, with a confidence and a new outlook on the world um, and realizing that the industry was possible. You know, um, the friends, the relationships I made, I would not trade for the world. Do you have any interest in, and I know you're busy now with music, but like, is Broadway something you would look into again? Of course. I, um, there was a show right after I, I got off um, and the part was offered to me as soon as we finished disaster. And at 13, I missed my friends. I was worn out and I had understudies. So, you know, we would, you know, switch every three shows a week and the opportunity was there. And I, I just said, you know, I gracefully declined. I said, you guys don't understand how much this means. I just, I have to go home. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. You know, I just need a little break. And so um, now I'm getting that itch. If the opportunity was there 
of course, I would definitely want to return to theater. And my goal is I want a Tony nomination so bad. If I go back, I'm going to do it until I try to get one because that, that was such a high. Um, like, I mean, theater, it's a whole different beast. It is. You know, than acting, than, than singing. It's a whole different beast. And the appreciation, the art form that theater is, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's honestly a, a work of art. It's a masterpiece. And if I have the opportunity to go back, definitely. You're going to go back. What was the show that you got a part in that you turned down? I'm trying to remember. It was, a, it was like a holiday show. Um, it was kind of like a Christmas-themed production. And I was trying to remember. And a kid from my, like a town over from me, booked the part, actually. Oh, wow. I met him because I went to his, uh, we had a lot of local theater places around here and they invited me to come like talk to the kids about, you know, being on Broadway, the experience. And so I, I came in and this kid was like, Hey man, I just got that part that uh, you auditioned for or you were offered. And I was like, are you serious? You know, I gave him a hug. I'm like, that's amazing. And this is this, I mean, he had to be nine years old. Wow. And so they cast the part younger and it was, I mean, he was remarkable um he was super talented and I'm trying to remember it was it, I don't remember the name and I, I'm not sure if they had a name at the time but it was a holiday production for Christmas time we we were starting rehearsals in July to start the show in like November you wow. know so you just gonna, needed to go home for a minute I did and it was it was too quick of a turnaround I was like guys you know I just I can't you know You're like, I need a minute. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I make decisions based on what is good for me, not everyone else. I live my life unapologetically and authentically as myself. And that is why when it came time to lose weight, the only thing that worked for me was Noom. What I loved about Noom is that they don't label foods good or bad, foods permitted and foods that are never permitted. They take a psychology-based approach and rather than focus on the food, They focus on why we make the choices that we do. Noom has helped me break so many bad habits, particularly with sugar. I love sugar candy, Skittles, Swedish Fish, Starburst, you name it, I love it. Rather than just say those foods weren't allowed, Noom helped me understand why I have these cravings, especially at certain times of the day. And slowly, I started to change these habits. I crave sugar less. I shopped better. Noom, I cannot recommend enough. The app is so easy to use also. And what I love best is it only takes 10 minutes of your time a day, just 10 minutes. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. You can sign up for this trial at noom.com slash velvet. That's right. By listening to this podcast, you too get to try Noom. You can sign up for your trial at noom.com slash velvet. And Noom is N O. O-M, noom.com slash velvet. Go there, sign up for your trial and let me know how it works out for you guys. It's great and it has really helped me. Yeah. What's the best advice like your father gave you or mother, you know, in entering the business? You know, they've always told me to be myself um, just to, to have confidence. And that's the thing that I've always had to work on, but own who you are, know who you are, have confidence, but be humble. Um, never forget where you came from. That is the number one piece of advice. And that's the thing that I have to always remember um, because success clouds people's judgment um, of 
their world around them. It changes their outlook. And when you're, you know, put on a pedestal, things change. So their, you know, their advice to me was just stay true to who you are. Remember where you came from. Remember your family, stay humble, um, but do what you love. So do it gracefully. And I think that's the one thing that I'll always take with me that, you know, isn't always the easiest thing to remember for a lot of people. Um, and the older I get, the more I mature, the more that advice rings true. I think that's probably the best advice, right? Like, you know, fame changes people. And when you're put on a pedestal, you could easily believe the hype yeah, and just lose yourself in that. And, and then it becomes thing, less yeah. about the work, you know? Of course. Then, then you think, you know, you're this immortal God, you know, and you're like, right. I don't have to do this or that. And you're like, guess what? You eat, you breathe, you take a crap, just like everybody else, totally. like at the end of the day. So it's just honestly, like that was the, that kept me completely and utterly in check. Another thing they told me is, you know, somebody always wants it more. Somebody's always hungrier. That goes for any profession on this world and in this world, you know, on this universe, it's, it's somebody always wants it more. Someone's always going to be hungrier. So just when you think you are so deserving of this chance, guess what? Somebody else is right behind you that might not have their foot in the door or they might not be there yet. But if they had a taste of this chance, would they appreciate it more than you? You know, it's just that. And that's what I tell people too. You know, when, when kids ask me for advice now about the music industry, I've had a lot of people that I looked up to kind of be bitter to me just because of how the industry was and, to them, you know, because it's hard. They kind of looked at me like, really? Like, you want me to give you advice? Like, it sucks. It's tough. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll get there. And when you hear that from other people, you're like, it crushes you. And it kind of puts you in that mentality of, I should just tell that to, to people asking me advice. And I remember being kind of bitter in that way for a little bit thinking like, you know, somebody asked me, what am I going to tell them? So come time, the opportunity um, a young kid asked me, he said, you know, like, I'm, I'm trying to get into the industry. You know, what do I do? And I remember thinking, I'm not going to repeat this pattern of discouraging someone, letting them down um, when they clearly are, they're hungry, they're young, they want to do this. And I just told him, I said, look, man, somebody's always going to want it. Just as yeah. much as I said, and you just got to be hungry. I'm like, if you're hungry and you work hard, good things will come your way. And he told me, he's like, that's some of the best advice I've ever had. And I'm like, it's the best advice I ever got, you know? It's it's good advice. Yeah. Well, in this industry, you know, some people dream their whole lives of playing huge arenas. Not that that's the goal for everyone, but here you are at a young age of nine, you know, opening for the Backstreet Boys with one or two, you know, songs. You know, your father's there, but you're out on the stage in huge arenas at a young age. I'm like, what was that like? Do you have memories of that? Of course. I'll never forget Oslo, Norway, uh, 2012. I, uh, it was the NKOTBSB tour, so they were touring with the new kids on the block. And um, the boys asked me, like, you know, dad arranged it, you know, asked me if I want to sing like two songs. Um, and I think we had DJ Pauly D with us or something. So I was the opener for, for D, uh, DJ Pauly D. And so I remember 
like being able to have the opportunity and sing for the first time in front of a massive crowd. We were in an arena in, in Oslo, Norway. Um, that was the very first time that ever happened. So that memory sticks with me more vivid than any other. I'll never forget that walk to the stage. Um, we were just talking about this yesterday. Our security guard, Drew, uh, has been with my dad for over 20 years. And so he's seen me since I was a baby to, to now. And I'll never forget him walking me to the stage then. And then, you know, years later at 16, you know, two, two and a half years ago, walking me through Capitol Arena, Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. as the official opening act. And literally in front of 12,000 people, you know, in America, in your home country, like that. And you can hear their, you can hear them screaming. You can hear their feet stomping the ground. Like it was one of these surreal moments that, and he was there with me through it all. Like it was one of the most surreal moments, honestly. And to be able to do that, I was used to it when I was little, being able to have that opportunity to go see it. It was, it was normal to me because, you know, Hey, you want to go out and sing in front of a bunch of people? I'm like, sure. You know, get on my scooter and ride off stage. And then when I was older, it really hit like, Oh my gosh, like this is something I might never ever see again in my lifetime. Just to, to be the pinnacle where dad is and play arenas. I can't ever guarantee that I'll play an arena. You know, I've, I've played a theater on my own, like just as a headliner, but I've never played an arena. I mean, if that opportunity ever happened, I would be truly grateful because, you know, the amount of times the possibilities that ha that happens is close to none. So when the boys gave me that opportunity to go on tour with them, you know, two years ago and play arenas, I took it as this might be the first and last time I really officially ever get to do this, you know? And then does that, cause it doesn't sound like your parents put pressure on you. It sounds like they're very supportive. And like, then, you know, is that more self-imposed pressure on yourself, like to live up to your father? And like you said, like it's, it, it doesn't happen for many or no, it just, you take the opportunity and it was great and you move on or do you put extra pressure on yourself? You know, I've always been one to put, to put pressure on myself and, and, you know, always overthink. Um, and I used to self implode a lot of the time I would say like, it was hilarious. Like I'd have like a breakdown before I go on stage and then be like, all right, you got this, you're fine. And then you go out there and you're like, all right, that was a quick turnaround. Like you just snap out of it. Um, that was, that was, that was super tough to get by. I think I, I didn't have much trouble with, feeling like living up to my dad's legacy. I, I kind of put it as the, the feats that he's accomplished and what he has done. It's like, you know, Michael Jordan's son trying to, to be better than Michael Jordan. And, you know, I, I know what I'm capable of. And I know that I'm determined that one day I, I want to reach the pinnacle. I want to get there and I want everyone to be able to hear my music and I want it to touch people. And I want them to, to be able to relate to each other in some way through my music. Um, cause that's honestly what it's about. Um, but there's, there's, there was a pressure. There should not be a pressure though, because we're two entirely different souls. We're two different people, two different lives. And I am inspired to do this because of him, but that doesn't mean, you know, I have to be dad and the respect factor I have for him and the things he's accomplished. I will be forever proud of not envy, not be jealous of. And um, 
you know, that's the same for him. He's always been so supportive and he is dying for me to surpass him one day and in sales or things like this. And I'm like, dad, I'll never forget. He'll tell me, he's like, you're going to be playing arenas and be doing this. I'm like, um, I'm like, you're believing this more than I am right now. <laughs> like, I'm trying right. to catch up with you. You know, he's like that first Grammy. I'm like, dad, hold on. I'm like, that sounds great, but hold on. You're like, <laughs> slow down for a second. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. We'll see. Where did, you know, like, cause you said your parents were shocked. Like, where did this country, like where, how did you decide country is the way you wanted to go and make a country album? Um, so I was born in Marietta, Georgia, um, small town, not so much that small anymore. Um, where my mom, my whole family grew up. We were all born in the same hospital, family tradition. Um, it was, it was solely my grandparents and my town. Um, my grandparents lived in Marietta still. We, we live farther away. So we live like 45 minutes from, from there. Um, now my grandparents live in my backyard. We built the house. So they're right here, but I would choose going to Marietta to see my grandparents over my friends on the weekends, um, for years. And it was just this, you know, expectation that every weekend I was going to my grandma's house and my grandpa would come pick me up and he would turn on, you know, George Strait, Merle Haggard, Patsy Cline, Tammy Wynette, um, Ray Price. I grew up with all these amazing artists to listen to. Um, And classic country was what I heard, 50s, 60s, 70s country. And um, I remember when it came time to do music, that just felt so natural by that point because I listened to it constantly every weekend. Um, My grandparents, like, literally were made by country music. You know, they... um, they their souls were kind of wrapped around it so when it came time for me to try music that was so much already a part of me um sitting on my grandma's porch and, and playing them country songs to then think like man this is you know if, I, if i'm gonna do this i can't regret the genre one day or the decision so if i'm gonna try this let's go country first you know let's make this a let's make this a, a family thing and um it's honestly felt super honest and real. And that's exactly how I wanted it to feel right off the bat. Well, the name of the album is seven, seven country. Do you have a favorite country act or a few favorites? Um, definitely favorites, classic country acts. Um, you know, George Strait's a huge one. Uh, Marty Robbins, not a lot of people know super old school, um, more modern Tim McGraw, huge. If I could just get the guns, in the muscles and be able to rock a cowboy hat like him, I think I'd be in business. But I'm telling you, Tim you McGraw, know, <laughs> Tim McGraw's guide. Yes, um, modern right now, definitely FGL. Still, no matter what, uh, they've been huge influences, great mentors. Um, Michael Ray is a great guy. He's got some amazing songs. Um, a guy I definitely look up to when it comes to writing and performing is John Mayer overall, just across the board genre wise. John Mayer has been probably the biggest influence for me. Have um, you ever seen John Mayer live? I haven't. I'm going to try to go in October and uh, I'm, I'm going to see if I can try to try to go, but I'm super, super excited to hopefully meet the man one day. We'll see. Mm. But and try to pick your brain. <laughs> just listen 
have your father call in a backstage pass and go and talk to him for a few minutes. We'll try. One of my, one of my absolute best friends, um, his name's Andy Hingley. We met because he, he books shows and, you know, he's a promoter here. And so we became really great friends and he texts me, he's like, guess who's playing in October. And I'm like, John Mayer. He's like, you know, he's like, are you going to try to go? I'm like, I don't know. So I already know if I try to go, I know who I'm texting. And, uh, you know, he's going to hound me. He's like, did you try to meet him? I'm like, I'm going to try. If I have to jump over the security barricade, I might. But you got to (laughs) try. Oh, yeah. What about what's did writing this record, like, you know, making this record change you, you know, like as an artist, like what's did you love the process of making this record? Absolutely. Absolutely loved it. Um, It was crazy because I started recording this album back in January of 2018. So like literally this was a, or the summer of 2018, it was a process that took, you know, a year and a half almost. Um, so by the time the record was finished, we were wrapping up the DNA tour. So we literally were in Nashville playing Bridgestone arena and I was still finishing up the record recording. So by the time I started to the time the record was finished, I had just finished a 42 show tour. I had had my first real experiences, you know, busting my butt on the road and playing shows by myself, learning to play the guitar, things like that. So I was an entirely different person from the first song I cut to the last. Um, And then even that transcends to now, completely different human being two years later. And I can't believe it's been two years since I wrapped up that record. You know, like the process was amazing. I'm addicted to it. And that's why I'm already working on album number two because I miss that process so much um the pandemic obviously made that even more tough to to be away from it um right now be able to come back I'm I'm itching to to finish this next record and and do what I did two years ago like have new music and for people and um it was seriously one of the most surreal experiences again that and Broadway are my top two favorites Recording is an addiction. I mean, there's nothing, there's, there's not a better high. You're like addicted and you're so happy to be working on your new record. What were like the inspirations for 7-7 Country? Like the themes, like where did, you know, how did it all come about? 7-7 Country was like, honestly, the themes for that, I think were based off of a lot. Well, dad and Florida Georgia Line, they just released a, a song during that time, God, Your Mama and Me, uh, that, you know, charted on country radio. Uh, Dad got a CMT for it, and I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, But he, um, I mean, there was a lot of inspiration behind that. Obviously, my dad's music had some influence in there, and I made Dad sing harmonies with me on my songs and stuff. So he, you can hear my, in in my new music as well, you'll hear Dad's voice because he was, he'll sing harmonies with me. through my tracks and things like that, which I think are super cool. Um, and we did a song together on 770 Country, Come Kiss Me. Great wedding song, just saying. Yeah, anyway. it's a good wedding song. Um, that record was influenced heavily by them. Um, by Florida Georgia Line, I would say, you know, Tyler had a huge part in, um, you know, the writing process. And a lot of the songs were also, you know, produced by Corey Crowder, who works with Florida Georgia Line. So they were... They were Corey Crowder influenced, you know, Tyler Hubbard influenced the boys. Um, 
And I started writing originals around the time I wrapped up that record. So Let Her Go is the first song I'd ever been comfortable enough to put on a record um, that was mine. And by that time, that's that was the John Mayer influence, like full force coming in. And so I was like, let's put an acoustic song to wrap up, conclude the record. And that was Let Her Go. So, you know, modern country to classic. This next record is going to be very, um, very classic when it comes to um, old school influences. A guy that a lot of people don't know, which still shocks me is Michael Martin Murphy, old school country artist, super influenced by him. Uh, Keb Moe, blues artist, John Mayer. This next record is going to be a different beast when it comes to influences and, and how it sounds, but um, definitely the first record is modern, um, still relevant, still love it, going to push it. Um, and by the time this next record comes out, I might have a goatee. We'll see but at least we're working on it. There's nothing wrong with a little goatee, right? <laughs> exactly. I'm like all for the goatee. <laughs> what about, tell us about the single Some Guys. The Some Guys um, was one of the first songs I actually ever recorded. Um, it was, I think, the third song I recorded on 770 Country. So that one was early on in the process. That song has been with me since I was 15 years old. Um, Tyler Hubbard um wrote on that song so that was a that was one of the first uh songs pitched um that we ended up taking um I was obsessed with it from day one um and making that um you know a single on our record now honestly is is pretty moving since it was one of the first yeah um, to be like a curtain call for singles for this record um is is super meaningful this song I feel like honestly kind of sends a message to all those guys out there like hey some guys just need a girl man up go get her don't be a chicken about it um so we always talked about doing a, a music video for that and doing something kind of funny with it but we're doing a live uh, performance music video that's going to be out this month um that'll give people a glimpse of the tour life uh shows performing and that song um honestly checks off all my boxes no pun intended just kidding um when it comes to uh songs on my album that's my absolute favorite so it being a single is is honestly super exciting it's it's super meaningful for me you know what I've been you, pushing yeah. for that song to be a single for a year you know i'm like super excited and it's your favorite on the whole yeah. album what about i mean i know you did open for the dna tour as you said because mm-hmm. i was there new york Newark, New Jersey. I was in the audience. What do you love about touring? Like being on the road for that long? Like, what did you love about that? The family uh, bond that you create with your entire crew Um, from our catering staff to our crew guys working the lighting rig to our security, just to the boys. I mean, the, the bond you create with everyone is, is addicting. It's undeniable. Um, so it's it's a family away from family. When you're on the road, you have a home away from home. That's one of my absolute favorite parts about it. Um, how much joy you can bring uh, to people because um, being able to reach that many people and seeing every individual person um, that you're that you're bringing happiness to is that's an amazing feeling. 
Um, so being on the road, like that exciting factor of a new city every day, um, new experience every day, um, new arena every day, that was completely surreal. And I'm a huge sports fan. So especially when we played Newark, uh, the New Jersey Devils were gracious. They gave me this jersey to wear. And I'll never forget, I was like, are you, are you serious? You guys got me a jersey? They're like, yeah. And it was laying there in the dressing room and I was wearing it. And all the security staff guys that worked at the venue, they're like, hey, nice jersey. I was like, thank you. I absolutely love sports and hockey. So when I got to experience that on the road, that was completely amazing. What about, you know, Backstreet Boys have some pretty committed fans. Mm-hmm some pretty loyal fans. Like, did you see, like, what's the craziest thing you saw from a Backstreet Boys fan? I mean, crazy in a good way. You know, the fans are very loyal and committed. I mean, the greatest thing is when they, you know, when you're coming out of the venue and those diehards are standing there around the barricades with signs, you know, they were gracious enough to make me signs on tour. And that's the best part is their fan base is so, um, loyal um that like you said i mean just completely loyal and dedicated uh that they have been loyal and dedicated to me and a lot of you know their fan base are like we don't listen to country but because you came out with something we'll listen to country and i love that because they're they're just so loyal um they're they're diehard fans and so that transcended into to my music and seriously i couldn't do what i do without them i mean they're the reason i have fans so um, and their fans have become my fans and some vice versa here. They're like, you know, I, I just listened to your dad's millennium album. I'm like, just now. And they're like, yes. And it's amazing. I'm like, see what I tell you. Um, the fans, I got to say, are complete diehards and I love them for that. Um, but when they're outside the venue and they're holding signs up and they're, I mean, literally giving you that extra boost of confidence for that next night when you're tired and you think, I don't know if I can do this again. Um, I used to go to the merch stands outside and, and they would line up and take pictures and they had their signs out and they would buy my merch. And it was, it was honestly so shocking because I didn't think I was going to get that reception. Um, when I went on tour, I didn't, and they didn't have to give me the chance that was never in the, you know, that was never forced on them. And they did because right. they took a chance on me. Um, just like they took a chance on the boys back in the day. And um, it's super meaningful. They give you that extra boost of confidence when you think you can't do another show or be on a, a tour bus for one more day. You know, they give you that extra boost. That makes sense. What about, I mean, listen, you have your country roots, but do you like any 90s pop like Justin, Britney? Like, did you get into any of that? Or do you get into, into any of that? Brian McKnight is a huge like influence since I was little. When I think of home, like, and I think of my house, we had this CD player that's actually over there now because we're in the, the loft, aka press room, where all of our old gadgets live up here now. Um, we had the CD player that would blast Brian McKnight from the time I was little, you know, back at one, anytime, like all of his greatest hits, like I grew up listening to. So Brian McKnight, huge, you know, 90s R&B pop star, like love absolutely love his music uh we listened to justin timberlake from the 90s um and his album and then 
what was the one of them came out of the year I was born, the Crimea River, like that record, all that stuff. Dad loves. Um, so, yeah, I grew up on a lot of that. I grew up on a lot of R&B influences um, from my dad and my mom because their their music love is, is so diverse from every genre as where I kind of introduced them to country. You know, I grew up on everything else. So they introduced me to to R&B and, and blues and rock um, and definitely like future ventures. There's going to be R&B influences, uh, definitely rock. Uh, I love soft rock. I got them into John Mayer. So that was one. So our house now is a hodgepodge. Of, it's a little bit of everything. Yes. Everyone's like, how many like different genres can you guys listen to at once we're like well welcome to the literal's house you're like everything <laughs> yes what about are you the type that gets starstruck you know like i imagine your father's met a lot of people i imagine a lot of people come backstage at a backstreet boys concert and there right. you are opening like are you the type like did you meet any like have you ever been starstruck where you're just like i can't believe i just met this person you know I think every time I've ever met somebody, I've been starstruck, but you know, you're, it's, it's a normal thing to meet people. Right. And you think, all right, I'm just going to keep my composure. I'm going to act like this is normal, you know? And then finally, when you met enough people, it was like, I'll never forget. Niall Horan was a, a huge one. One direction was massive. Um, this was like 2012. I met Niall backstage at one of their shows and he just walked into this, you know, little like meet and greet room type place we were in. It was just us. And he walks in and he was like, what's up guys? And I was like, is that Niall Horn? And dad's like, yes, it is. And through the years uh, we kept bumping into each other. I'd see him somewhere. And I saw him at the, uh, the boys show in uh, Las Vegas. And he was right there. And I was like, Oh my God, is that Niall? And he's like, you're the little one. I was probably this tall when I met Niall for the first time. And he was like, you were the teeny little guy. I was like, yes, I was. It was like this reunion, but still starstruck by the same dude that I grew up listening to his music. Um, I got to say, I'm trying to think like, seriously, everyone I've probably met. Um, Keith Urban, starstruck. That is one that I was completely starstruck. Um, ACM Radio Room, Las Vegas. I was there doing promotions for radio. Um and Keith Urban was over in the corner. He was talking to some station and he just wrapped up his interview. And I was walking through doing my interviews and mom was with me and she goes, look, there's Keith Urban. She's like, do you see him? And I, I was nervous cause I didn't want to go talk to him. Cause I'm like, I don't want to bother him. And I'm like, yeah, I saw him. And she's like, are you going to go say hi? And I was like, no. And she goes, don't you want to? I said, yeah, but we can just, you know, see him from afar. Yeah. And mom's like, you're not going to go talk to him. I'm like, no. So she goes, all right, then. Hey, Keith. And he looks over and then walks up to me. And, I, and then mom like steps back. And then I had this whole conversation with Keith Urban. And uh, it was hilarious. I was like completely starstruck when it because never thought I'd ever bump into Keith Urban at an ACM radio room and, and see him backstage. And then I saw his name because we signed this guitar that was there. Uh, Cause I think Martin supported the event and uh, Martin guitar. So we all signed this guitar and I saw his name and I thought, I'm not going to bump into him here. Next thing you know, he's standing in front of me. I'm like, I don't know what to say to him. Like, you know, I'm like, uh, hi, hi Keith. Like I'm, I'm Bailey, you know? 
um that that was the one time i can say i purely starstruck um was nervous out of my mind it was hilarious because yeah you think oh i'm gonna bump into keith urban the next thing you know oh i really did bump into keith urban (laughs) like wow aren't you happy your mother made you speak to him yes absolutely so then she gave me courage for the rest of the day um hunter hayes one of my absolute favorite artists i love his writing i love his playing and so he was there as well and he was just right behind me in line uh when we were doing radio room we were all standing there and you know artists we're in a single file line if we're all in the same interview so we're all just like start a conversation and so i was i was kind of nervous i'm sitting there waiting and he was right behind me and I, I was like, Hey, are you Hunter Hayes? And I was afraid. I didn't know if he was going to say anything to me or not. And he was like, he was like, yeah. And I was like, dude, absolutely love your music. And I, you know, we did that little bro handshake thing and I left him alone and I just thought, Oh my goodness. I just met one of my idols, like Hunter Hayes, another one. But by that time I was already scared to death after meeting Keith. So I was like, all right, we can do anything point you're like at this point yeah let's just introduce ourselves to everyone so so there was no nicole kidman there no and if there was i mean no offense to keith but everyone would have been on another level of of freaking out Uh, i would think that that's probably a correct statement you know no offense to keith urban but i do (laughs) think that's (laughs) probably what would have happened my mom would have even been stumped for a second we'd all been like uh you're like, what are we supposed to do now? Go, Kidman. <laughs> what about, do you remember Pauly D from being nine years old or on tour? I do. I do. Uh, he was he was super great to me. He was uh, he was super cool. And I'll never forget how the audience would go crazy when he'd get up there. And it was like a club, you know, like the whole, you know, the arena before we the boys would take the stage. And so he was probably the greatest opening act you could have asked for because like the crowd was on such a high. So talk about, you know, their rowdy meter going from here to here. And then, you know, the boys are performing. They're like, man, the crowd's literally so spastic right now because they just got done with this gigantic, like club set, you know, yeah. it was um, somebody that was super fantastic to me, taught me my nines in math. Um, great mentor for multiplication, Donnie Wahlberg. Um, he was there for every performance I did on tour with them. He made sure he was there. Um, he was watching me from side stage, uh, amazing dude, great role model. Um, and he was completely fantastic to me when we were on the road. Um, gotta say he was one of the greatest things about that tour was Donnie Wahlberg. And you were taught math by Donnie Wahlberg or tutor. I was in catering one day stuck on my nines I was like a month away from finishing school and we had testing so I was all nervous because I'm like okay got everything but my nines this is impossible and Donnie sees my mom and I sitting there at catering and he, he comes over he's like what are you doing and I was like I'm working on multiplication and mom's like he's working on his nines and he can't get it he goes do you mind if I step in mom's like go ahead and he sits down, he's like, look, so he starts showing me all these tricks. He's going through my nines with me. He probably spent 45 minutes sitting there with me, teaching me my nines and all the stuff in math. And it was the coolest thing. Um, and then because of everything he taught me, I knew my nines after that. And it was because of Donnie Wahlberg. Who knew Donnie Wahlberg was good in math? Exactly. <laughs>
I mean, I wouldn't have thought that. Have you ever met Jenny McCarthy? If I have, I was too tiny to remember, honestly, because I'm trying to remember if I have. Probably not way back then. I don't think so. I don't think I met her. I don't think I met her. I think, yeah, I haven't met her because when they started dating, it was right after tour. Yeah. That was, yeah. At least you know your math because of Donnie. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. You can't count on a bunch of musicians for knowing math. I mean, me, yes, but Donnie, no. My father, no, but you know ask me a question about history i can get but not math i tell people they're like can you help me i'm like nope can't help you with math you're like i'm gonna pass on this one (laughs) yeah i'm gonna pass do you like any like current pop music like is there anyone you like or are you just country you know like out of like ariana dua lupa i mean we could go on and on like does any of that like who are your favorites if any of course um pop music definitely still rings true justin bieber's still a huge one i love his you know his last album and uh intentions from the year before those are great ariana grande's got an absolutely amazing voice um sean mendez is another great one two canadian boys right there they're they're both amazing i love their their musical influence their style um honestly yeah a lot of them uh, Dua Lipa is amazing I mean her voice is incredible and I love the production on her her music honestly they're like the heavy bass for me on all of her records is I'm a sucker for bass when I'm in the studio I this on this last album one of the reasons I'm like guys heavy bass we need we need as much bass as possible and after listening to some of her songs like that was one of the things that I, I took from it was that heavy bass and how much people love it. And we kind of forgot about, you know, like putting bass heavily in music for a little bit. So when she kind of, yeah. brought, that was huge. It's completely huge. So I, I loved her last record and, and her singles that she's come out with heavy bass. It's a signature Dua Lipa thing, like straight up. I love a little Dua Lipa and Ariana Grande has an insane voice. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even normal. Yes. I mean, she also I, has a Broadway background. Right. Yeah. She, she's literally the modern day Mariah Carey when it comes to her voice and her skills, what she's capable of. It's a, it's a modern day Mariah Carey. It is. Is there anyone that you're dying to do like a collab with just like a duet or a song? Like anyone, like if you could choose one or two. Someone like right now, someone you said someone's going to be on your new record or the record after that. Anyone come to your mind? It's definitely, you know, I'm old school and I love these, these, you know, squeaky, shiny, brand new artists. But two that come to mind that absolute bucket list that I would be determined to go after is Keb Mo. Absolutely love Keb Mo. I love his writing. I love his music. Um, Huge blues legend. I mean, that dude's got so many Grammys, I, I couldn't fit him on a mantle on a fireplace. Um, John Mayer, another great one. I just want him to play a riff on one of my songs so bad. Those two right there would be the ultimate goal. I'm telling you, you're going to have to go to the show when he exactly. comes and just put it out there and it, make it happen. <laughs> He'll be like, who are you? I'll be like, listen, John, you don't know me yet, but you will. Okay, here's the deal. You need to get on this record. I'm going to have like one of those little hypnotized things, you know, just be like, listen, this is my goal and let's make it happen. 
but seriously, I'm going to have to. What about we're wrapping up in like a few minutes? Um, when could we expect the new record? Do you know, or it's just really in the beginning of stages? So I've got two songs cut right now. I'm going back to Nashville later this month, last week in August, to do a couple more songs, get some things wrapped up and ready. Um, hopefully, I'm honestly aiming for January 2022 um, to try sad. to new and yeah. So I'm super excited. I mean, it's going to be a quick turnaround trying to get everything finished and wrapped up, but the record is very precise. Um, and there's a lot of, it's all so far, it's been a hundred percent live band. So I went in the studio uh, back in April and recorded everything with a live band from start to finish. And a lot of these songs uh-huh. are very uh, rock influenced. They're very soft rock vibes. And then you've got everything from that to country. So it's uh, an R&B even, you know, I've got a, a beautiful 6-8 song in there that's very punchy and heavy Stratocasters and harmonies. You know, I, 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 I'm so excited for people to hear this because um, this next album is going to be 100% Bailey Literal when it comes to influence, feel. I mean, you can't get any more personal, you know, than that. And so people are literally going to hear my thoughts, my emotions, um honestly almost for the first time that's so great really, you know it's a it's a musical diary this next record honestly i love it final two questions before we wrap up if you had to pick a favorite boy band i know you're into your country inspired but it can't be backstreet boys who would be your favorite boy bands oh man okay i don't know can we count boys to men as a boy band yeah okay boys they to count men undisputed but i mean you're killing me if i can't pick the backstreet boys but because just well i mean that goes without saying yes that they are the best i mean come on yes i i I really do think i mean they're all i think dna was one of the best albums like Mm -hmm. ever in their whole career i I love to have to throw some some props to nsync if you can get listen not knocking them, but I'm saying if we're at the Olympics for boy bands, they're the civil, the, the silver medalists right now, right behind the boys. And I got to say, I mean, bye, bye, bye. Nobody can go wrong. With that. Nobody could go wrong with that. Nobody could go wrong with a little JT. Who doesn't they, love a little, like the oh. Justin solo stuff is like, some it's of it's insane. Oh, I, that record's on repeat all the time. And his work with Jay-Z, incredible. Loved it. The 2020 experience is like 12,000 albums in one. You're like, this is never going to end, nor do you want it to end. It's really like unbelievable. Gives you everything you want. And it is still relevant because music fades so fast with the times. And literally he made it the 2020 experience because we could still be listening to it now in 21 and 22, 23. And it sounds like it could have come out yesterday. I agree. Like straight up. And I have to ask, of course, before we leave, I mean, you picked your own favorite song on 7-7 Country. So what is your favorite Backstreet Boys song? You can never, okay. Siberia off Never Gone is a hidden gem. Love that song. Um, Safest Place to Hide off Never Gone. Um, Inconsolable, another amazing song. But number one favorite, still to this day, Larger than life. I love it. I air guitar in my room since I was eight years old. Every time I listen to that song. 
I mean, straight up, that that is a headbanger. I that is that. a really good one. Before we go, I mean, your father must be, I mean, listen, your parents are proud of you because you're a success and you're sticking to your dream and you're making it happen. But like your father must be so proud of you just like following in his footsteps. Yes, it's country and I get it's not the same thing, but you've still, yeah. you're young and you have a record and you're touring. and Exactly. And honestly, who knows what the future holds, you know? Um, I'm determined to try to cross boundaries and genres. Um, and, you know, I, I can't tell you what the future holds other than, you know, new, new music. And it doesn't really have to be anything but music. And that's what we forget, you know? And that's another thing that my parents have had a huge influence on. It's just, it doesn't have to be a genre. You don't have to limit yourself. Um, again, yeah. at that best, you know, as soon as he stopped limiting himself, you know, music became easier. When I stopped limiting myself and stopped convincing myself I had to write a certain way so that a song could get played on the radio, I was like, this is easier. It comes back down to the true love and art form of music. I love it. I really appreciate you taking your time. So excited you're working on new music for early next year. Where can everyone find you online that wants to follow you and check out all your good stuff? You guys can find me at Bailey wait bailey literal underscore music that's what it is um on instagram twitter bailey literal i think just straight up facebook bailey literal both just look for the blue check um youtube we've got some original you know acoustic videos on there that new performance video will be up there for some guys this month as well same just bailey literal on all of them. Instagram's the only complicated little underscore one because this dude did not put his name in Instagram in 2013, right? So we got the underscore, but it's okay. Just look for the blue check. It's all about the blue check, baby. (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's as simple as that. (laughs) I appreciate you taking your time and thank you to your mother for helping make this all happen and coordinate all this. I really appreciate it. And the new music is great. So I mean, Seven Seven Country is great and Some Guys is a great song. So everyone should check it out. My mom is the best manager on the planet. (laughs) She gets it done. She gets it done. So thank you to her too. And thank you really for taking your time and we will keep you posted. Of course. I, I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for sitting down with me. Anytime. Take care. Thanks for chatting. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. 
Thank you guys. See you soon.